Thank you for waiting. We're now boarding all passengers on No Blackout Dates Airlines. All aboard No Blackout Dates to... Wait. Where the hell are we going? No Blackout Dates. We are Blackout Dates. Good to see you. Good to see you. How you doing? Not for nothing really and truly all day long like 7-Eleven. sleep in the hotel parking lot and then in the morning you waltz your ass into the hotel and go to the continental breakfast you will never ever regret using the hot tub but you will always regret not using the hot tub so i'm like five days not showered right now welcome to another episode of no blackout dates i'm evan i'm tim we've got a good one for you today with gina truman she's a professional van lifer she's been on the road for the past year during covid and in a van that looks like a log cabin. So that's pretty cool. And she's here to talk to us about all things van life, what it takes to be on the road for a year, how to go to the bathroom on the road, how to furnish your van, how to cook in your van, and some hacks for how to sleep in national parks when you're not really supposed to. Yep. She's got a lot of experience. I heard her partner have been doing this for quite a while now, and they have had the experiences both positive and negative. So it's going to be really cool getting into that. And it, it's kind of funny because right before this interview, I just returned from a miniature version of van life myself. And uh, we had a great time, my wife and I. We spent uh, about you know a week going up the, the Pacific Northwest Coast, uh, camping beachside in an Olympic National Park. And it was cool. But we would be probably what, what uh, Gina and her fiance would consider posers. Because we rented a van. I was going to say, yeah, it's him. So would you consider yourself a professional van lifer at this point? Semi-professional? You're comfortable in a van. You know your way around a van. I know my way around a van uh, for sure, but I'm definitely not a professional van lifer. Uh, Who took care of your chickens while you were away? My wife's aunt and uncle came and stayed at our house. So most people think of, okay, you got to get someone to come and dog sit while you're away. But in Western Colorado, the, that version of that is chicken sitting. So what is the, what does it require to watch the chickens? Do they have to take the chickens for a walk every day? Do they have to socialize them properly? How does that work? Chickens are pretty easy, uh, you know, when they're not little baby chicks. We actually have two setups right now because we have older chickens and then we got new chicks this year that we have not co-mingled with the older chickens yet. Uh, so basically, they just had to go out in the morning, you know, pretty early open up the coop, give them some food, let them range for a while, and then put them back. That, that's about all it takes. And what is co-mingling exactly? So chickens are very pack-oriented animals, and there's a pecking order with chickens, which is where the phrase pecking order comes from. So when you introduce outside chickens to an already established flock, uh, they're not always welcome. And so you have to kind of get them used to each other, which we've actually never tried. Okay. We're, we're about to do this for the first time this weekend. Interesting. That's how I feel when I like, I don't know, go to a new, move to a new place or start school or you travel somewhere. You feel like you, you're an outsider. You, you have to, you want to be accepted. So co-mingling, that's the answer. So co-mingling. Tim, big co-mingling guy. Big co-mingling guy. That's right. All right. Well, before we get into the interview, let's hop into hot takes. Uh, Tim, you have some questions you want to ask me, I've heard, through the grapevine. I do. Actually, uh, while I was on the plane flying to Portland last week, I had like an epiphany of of brainstorming for hot takes. So I have... Tim has have 17 a... questions. So strap in, guys, because we're yeah. going to be here for the next six hours. <laughs> we'll just do two of them today. So the first one, and it's always appropriate given the place where I thought of this question, 
If you die in a plane crash, what is listed as your place of death on your death certificate? That is fascinating. I don't like the, your morbid thinking on planes, though. But what is listed as your place of death? I don't know. I mean, what if you die at sea? Is the same thing? Yeah. Well, I mean, what happens there? The like your place of death is listed as like some desert in rural Nebraska where your plane crashed, or like what is what happens? I don't know. We're gonna Google this. I'm gonna Google this. Wait, wait. Well, actually, no. Hold on. What if you? Oh, so if you die if you in a plane crash, you die wherever the crash site was. That's that's where your place of death. If your plane crashes in Nebraska, you dead in Nebraska. That's what happens. What if you die of a heart attack mid-flight? That's the real question. So your place of death is in the air. Yeah. So on your death certificate, it might say somewhere above Ohio. Somewhere. That's very specific. Somewhere above Ohio. Did you just look that up or is that? No, I Googled it and there's actually not any immediate answers because there's plenty of information about what happens if somebody dies on a plane, but nothing about the death certificate in particular. Interesting. Okay. So yeah, somewhere above Ohio. Where would you, if you were to be somewhere above somewhere as your, on your death certificate, where would you want to be? Tim Winger, deceased somewhere above blank the himalayas yeah it's because that's pretty you gotta be pretty high up to be somewhere above the himalayas yeah okay uh next one i got for you evan today being someone who's from the northeast what states do you feel that you quote unquote know well like what are you where what are you an expert in like for me i would say new utah new mexico and arizona in addition to colorado how about what about somewhere where the Northeast where the states are very small? See, that's interesting because I don't even consider myself an expert in Massachusetts. I consider myself an expert in my region of Massachusetts. Your pride and your identity is associated with Colorado, right? For sure. Yeah. Right. Like my pride, the color of the whole state, not just your like, like a region, just the whole state of Colorado. In general, yeah, because I've lived all over the state. No, that's, that helps because my pride, I have pride in being from the North Shore not from Massachusetts. I don't have pride in being a Massachusetts resident. It's the North Shore. That's the culture. That's the identity, not the state as a whole. Interesting. I think a lot of people would say the same thing, not to speak for everybody, but I think that that's pretty common. Well, I think that's the takeaway from this question because it's definitely not like that out here. Like people are, people are Colorado. You see the Colorado flag everywhere out here, you know? Because again, it's like New England is, is like one area. It's almost like arbitrarily broken into different states. So I think they're also similar that people really identify very heavily with their region, not so much their state. All um, right. Hey, if you disagree with that, send us an email, noblackoutdatespod at gmail.com and uh, tell me why I'm wrong. All right. Well, that's what I got. Flipping it over to you, Tim. Why do we remain friends with people on Instagram and Facebook for years when we know we'll never see them again? That's a great question. I mean, I've recently probably been in, in the midst of a purge of that in a way, like, because it, it's true, like, you know, you so you work with somebody, okay, and then one of you leaves that job, uh, the other one stays there, you're never going to have the same relationship with that person again, because you were coworkers and now you're not. But you stay with friends with them on Facebook, 10 years goes by, you're still friends with this person on Facebook, both of your lives are totally different now. You have nothing to talk about with this person, but you still know everything about them. It's weird, right? Like, why Why do you need to do that? And I think it's because people are inherently attached to their past. Like, they don't want to let go of these parts of their past that they remember so closely. Your friends on Facebook or people you follow on Instagram, maybe, become part of your 
personal narrative. Yeah. It's like they're, they're building blocks that, that form your identity. So it's leading them. It's like leading part of your identity, I think. But it's, it struck me as strange because I, I'll see people pop up on Facebook who I haven't talked to in years. And I know I'm never going to talk to again because they live on the other side of the country or across the, the other side of the world. And we met once for 20 minutes and we became friends. But it's like I, they remind me of that trip I took where I met this person at the bar and we got along well, whatever, became Facebook friends. Don't keep in touch anymore. But it they remind that seeing them pop up, it reminds me of that trip. And that's like a thing that I think people like. But it, it's funny because I, I'll tell like a, a personal and kind of embarrassing story. In like high school, me and my friend were on chat roulette. You remember chat roulette, Tim? Yeah. Super sketchy video chat thing where it just it, it, it randomly pairs you with other people around the world to video chat with. Basically, we ended up like chatting with like a couple of girls who lived in New Hampshire, like so kind of like nearby to us. And we we're like, oh, this is cool. Like, let's stay in touch. Maybe we'll we'll all meet up sometime. So we exchanged Facebooks. We all become friends on Facebook. Never met up, like probably never talked to them again. I don't remember. Still, to this day, I am friends with one of those girls on Facebook who is like married with three kids. And I was thinking like, I, I could just probably unfriend her. Like, what what is the point in staying friends with this person? And I didn't do it. And I, I was like, why? That's what motivated me to start to, to ask this question. Because I was thinking, what is it in me that, that that won't do this? You know, why can't I bring myself to unfriend her? And it's like, back, I don't know, back when it was still maybe mildly acceptable to be on chat roulette and you, I was in like 2006, it was like kind of fun. And it, it kind of reminds me of that. So I'll, I'll keep her around. It's it's like a photo because you have, that's your memory and her connection on Facebook is your photo of that conversation that you had. But it's funny because there's there are those connections that you have on Facebook that are, you know, trigger a positive memory or something that you thought was cool and you want to hang on to, even though it's never going to have a future and then there are the relationships on there that are just weird. Like I'm friends with like some of my parents' neighbors that like watched me grow up and they have, and they maybe they don't even live there and I haven't talked to them since I was nine, but they, they now like know where I live and what I do for a living. And that's, that's just weird. You know, like yeah. that's ridiculous. All right. Next question. How do you decide where to eat when you travel? You know, I have two approaches to this. One is that yes, I'll Google like what a place is known for. If I don't know what food it's known for, if I do know, I'll try to find, you know, the best version of that that's close to my hotel or wherever I'm staying and I'll go there. Another one and something that I do a lot is I love to eat Himalayan and Nepalese Indian food when I'm traveling. So I will, I will often go to an Indian restaurant. I've probably eaten in Indian restaurants in like 20 different countries because I, it's just a thing I do. I love to go and like eat there and have this. It's all, they're almost always very much the same, but I like it. It's just something I do, especially if there's one near my hotel, I'm for sure going to eat there at some point during my stay. Do you look those up in advance or do you just kind of wander around and then try and find a good spot? I mean, for like an Indian Nepalese spot, I'll probably just wander around or like if I get the craving, I'll look it up on Google real quick. But like for the stuff, like if I'm going to like, you know, as to use like a really corny example, like if I'm going to Chicago, yeah, I'm going to look up where's the Chicago pizza that I should eat and I'm going to go to that place, you know? Oh, yeah. No, me too. Are you more likely to go into a place if it's busy or if it's dead? So if you're wandering around, you see a you see a food spot, fits your other criteria. One is busy, packed with people. One is dead. Which one do you choose? 
Probably the dead one, unless it's street food. If it's street food, I always opt for the busy one because that's like the number one rule of street food. I feel that way about restaurants too, though. Maybe not like restaurants, but fast casual spots. You know, if you want to just pick up some quick food, because I, I feel like the local people know what the good food is. And if a place is dead, it means no one wants it. That's yeah, that's true. That's applicable. I mean, it, I guess in a way it kind of probably depends what kind of mood I'm in. If I'm by myself, it's probably pretty likely I'm going to go to the empty place and just eat and leave. But if I'm like with people and we want to have some beers and like have a good time, we'll probably go to the busier spot. I feel this way about lines too. I know you definitely don't agree with me here. If you're going out to a bar at night and you're trying to pick like, all right, there's three bars, two places are look no line whatsoever. Third place has a line that might take like five to seven minutes. I'll pick the line every time. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely different there because a line outside a bar is to me a signifier that that's not the bar I want to go to. <laughs> but assume you were looking for a crowded bar. Like you might you might want not want to be in a place that's really, really crowded. But if your goal is to be around the most people and the place that's that's sure to be busy and you don't want to end up somewhere that's going to end up being a dud, I think the best way to do that is to pick the place with a line. And I know that bars do, they manufacture lines for this exact reason to make them to make them seem busier and more in demand than they maybe actually are. But assuming you know five, I'm not going to wait in that line for a half hour. But assuming it's like a five minute line versus no line whatsoever, and it's kind of questionable whether the place is actually like really busy or not, I'll pick the line 100 percent of the time. Yeah, see, I mean the thing, and this is probably the most hipster thing you'll ever hear me say, but like. I'm, I I don't like the kind of bars that have lines. I just, that's not the kind of bar I want to go to. No, no, I I get it. I I have friends that are like on principle against lines, even if the line is clearly moving at an incredibly fast clip and they'll be in, in maybe 30 seconds, they'll, they will refuse to get in the bar with the line. It's just like, it's a, it's a principle thing. And I think they're probably on the same wavelength as you there. All right. Well, that was a lively discussion, uh, and that's going to lead us into another lively discussion with Gina Truman here. We'll get into the interview with her, and we will see you on the other side. All right, we are here with uh, Gina Truman, our our handy van life expert. She's been doing a lot of writing for Matador in in between her traversing around the country. Why don't you first give us a little lowdown on uh, what you're doing who you're traveling with, how you got into this, what's the deal? Yeah, so me and my fiance uh, converted a 1994 Dodge Ram van about a year ago now. We're coming up on our like one year anniversary of the van. Um, Before that, we were long-term travelers uh, in Asia for about a year, a year and a half, until we decided to come home and convert the van. And was that a COVID-inspired decision to come home, uh, or or were you guys done with Southeast Asia? We were not done with Southeast Asia at all. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, we got stuck. Me, in- me either. <laughs> I also can't wait to get back over there. So yeah, so we were actually in India when COVID happened and got stuck for like a month and a half. We were on there like full lockdown, quarantine, can't leave your hotel room, not even to get groceries. Uh, and then we had to get like emergency repatriated back to the U.S. because they closed their airport completely. And I, at that moment, was in the hospital with food poisoning. <laughs> and so it kind of took away the even the option of being able to leave in that 24-hour window. Was it the street food? 
It might have been. It there also- you go, Tim. I'm telling you, the street food, it's not all it's cracked off to be. We always have this argument on the show about street food. I like to play it safe. I, I'm sure as a, I, I, I'm guessing you're, you're probably going to side with Tim on this one. Big street food person. Oh, yeah. I've had food poisoning a few times and I'm still not giving it up. Admirable. <laughs> well, Evan's Evan's a pizza person. No matter where he's at, that's his his go-to. I'll always street food if it's pizza, 100%. Right. doesn't matter if it fell, fell in the sewer first. You need like Italy street food. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, at least uh, my, my friend who was traveling in India during COVID, he got a dental procedure done like the week oh. before the lockdown because it's cheaper to do. He was kind of, kind of like a medical tourism thing. Um, he got like a pal expander put in to like fix his teeth or something. Yeah. He comes back to the U.S., India shuts down, whole world shuts down. He can't travel. He learns he has to travel back to India to get it taken out three months later. Oh, it's now, it's now like twenty three months later, and he still has it in. Oh shit! What's that gonna do? <laughs> I don't know. It's not good though. But so that that's his like a little India India medical tourism COVID travel story. But so at least that didn't happen to you guys. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So let's let's get on the van life thing here a little bit. Tell me, tell us a little bit about. How you guys went about building out the van? How long did it take? What were the costs involved? And uh, was it frustrating? Was it enjoyable? So we did kind of like the crash course of van life. We It took us six weeks to build the whole thing. Like gutted. It was like a wow. complete like musty old 90s van when we bought it. We bought it for $4,000, which yeah, we probably could have gotten a better deal but at the time vans were like going like crazy fast because everyone had all this time on their hands and I feel like a lot of people had the same idea of why not convert a van and travel around the U.S. this summer so we bought our van for four grand and over six weeks working like 10 hour days you could obviously if you knew what you were doing it would probably be done faster and easier. Um, but yeah, it was endlessly frustrating. We were trying to figure out how electrical systems work, had no idea. We'd never built anything at all before, and we were doing everything from scratch. I was going to say, to undertake the van life lifestyle, do you have to have an intimate knowledge of cars or interior decorating? Which one's more important? You should have cars if you want to do it cheap. I have knowledge of neither, so that's that's good to know. Yeah. Well, you guys did pretty good. I have a friend who I've been following on Instagram, their van build out for like two years and they're still not done. So you guys got it done pretty efficiently. Yeah, but I think that's one of the things a lot of people don't realize is you don't have to finish it to leave and like start traveling. Like there's no reason you have to have an Instagram ready van to get out on the road. We waited just because we were in quarantine and the whole world was shut down. So we were like, we might as well take this time to just get it dialed and do it the way we want to. But you don't have to, you could literally like gut it, put up some basic plywood walls and a mattress in there. And just like, as you go build and add on to it. So who are some of the strangest people you've met on the road? I mean, other van lifers, other travelers, I mean, the, the lifestyle attracts all different kinds of people, but there's got to be some weirdos out there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like I, it's cool meeting such different people. It's definitely like changed my perspective. One thing I always think about, we ran into these people who'd converted a school bus in Maine 
and they were like busking along the way. Like, do you know what busking is? The music playing, performing, yeah, performing for like tips and stuff. So they were living like day to day off of busking, but they'd converted this beautiful school bus and they introduced us to a whole community of buskers and train hoppers and people who are like living out of their car or like a van that they'd found that was parked on the side of the road. We met this one guy who uh, he would just string up his hammock somewhere every night and he was like train hopping and hitchhiking across the US. So is train hopping when you hop on like those cargo trains, you kind of like stow away. Yeah, That's so cool. That's like what I would want to do in an alternate. I, I don't think I would, I don't think I'm a van lifer, but I feel like I could be a train hopper, you know, like in another life. That's some Jack Kerouac shit, like straight up, man. I didn't even know you could still do that. It's dangerous to still do. Not even just like the train jumping on part because we were talking to him about it and I was like, it'd be kind of cool to train hop once. I mean, just like from point A to point B, see what it's like. But he was like, oh, I've been doing it for five years and you get yourself into some sketchy situations where there's like violent homeless people who are like running from the law hopping on trains. And like he was telling us how he's been like, beaten up and like held at knife point and all of this stuff and i was like okay maybe i don't want to train hop but <laughs> gina truman is officially recommending train hopping it's incredibly safe yeah. it's incredibly legal and just a Absolutely. great travel experience you know go take the family i mean they they often have a bar car on trains you know probably not the hoppable ones <laughs> not but, those guys you know no i'm gonna guess not <laughs> Okay, so so th this is a question that I'm sure everyone that's listening wants to know the answer to. What happens if you break down in the middle of nowhere? What is the go-to? Do you guys have like uh, AAA or what? what is the go-to answer there? We have the premier membership of AAA. Okay, I would think that that would be like a requirement for this. Yeah, well, so when we got this van, it was mechanically sound or so like the guy who checked it out looked at it and was like, oh, yeah, everything's great. I wouldn't hesitate to buy this van. And we immediately started having breakdowns. <laughs> that should that should so, also cover AAA premier membership should also cover like emotional breakdowns on the road. Like if you're paying that much money, like it's like, hey, guys, like I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I am on the road like I, I just have no no real home base like. I just don't know where I'm heading in life and can you help me out? Like a therapist service kind of. They'll help you with your breakdowns, car breakdowns and emotional breakdowns. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't think I got that that card with the <laughs> <laughs> That's your next entrepreneurial venture, Eben, is to start a yes. therapist service for breakdowns Tri on yes, the road. Exactly. AAA counseling. <laughs> and how about some of the other, you know, kind of rougher aspects? Like what's, what do you guys do for restroom facilities? Where, how, where are the showers? How do you guys plan that out? And do you have to do it in advance or is it just kind of a winging it? Grocery stores are the move. Everyone thinks it's gas stations, but grocery stores always have a bathroom and it's always clean. So that's like our number one go to you gotta find a grocery store so far we haven't had a problem with that i also haven't had to like dig a hole in the wilderness yet to take a shit so i'm like 
that's a win. Tim, Tim literally <laughs> does that just on a regular basis. He lives out, he lives in Western Colorado. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Western Colorado, but they don't really have electricity out there. So that's his normal bathroom routine. It's the boonies. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's just a camping thing. But uh, I, I'm, what, what about what about showers? Do you guys go, do you have like a 24-hour fitness membership or something like that? No. So Planet Fitness used to be the go-to for like memberships because they're all over the U.S. They're cheap. They're starting to not love the van dwelling people <laughs> just using them for the showers, which like I kind of get, but also we're still paying a membership. Right. So yeah, how do they know? How can they crack down on that? I don't know. They had like some PR. There was some article posted about their like they weren't a big fan of being the go-to shower spot for anyone who lives in their car. <laughs> Listen, when your memberships are like, what is it? Like a, like $10 a month, yeah. you are the spot where homeless people go to go, go take a shower. That's where you are. Yeah. So we don't do the gym membership. We have the bag shower. Nice. Nice. What is that? Yeah, like those hanging bags that you throw on your roof and you let them get hot. Okay. Uh, they're very cold normally. <laughs> they don't really get hot. Um, we shower like once a week. <laughs> so I'm like five days not showered right now. Um, and there's our episode highlight snippet. There, here we go, right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's um that and like having the pecan. That's the other thing that are the most parts of van life I've, I've always said bring back the chamber pot haven't i said this for years tim i've heard you say it before <laughs> yeah constantly talking about this big chamber pot guy <laughs> if you're in the city living in a van showering is impossible and you are gonna have to use a pecan because even a lot of the grocery stores that are smaller they don't have bathrooms Gas stations definitely don't have bathrooms. You just are going to have to get used to it. I also kind of feel like if you're living the van life and you're spending all your time in cities, you're missing the entire point. Exactly. Yeah. So when we first started our road trip, we headed straight for the East Coast to do like fall in New England and all that like pretty foliage stuff. And then yeah. we were in like New York and Boston and all these cities we'd never been in. So we were like, we have to stop. We're over here. But like being in a city unshowered, can't use a bathroom. If it rains, you're like stuck inside your teeny tiny van all day long. You can't get into nice restaurants because you look haggard. <laughs> you can't get it. They just turn you away. Like, you don't look like you could afford this. No, we can't. Here's our money. No, 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 no. I promise. <laughs> yeah. Well, Tim, you just did a... Gene, I don't know if you know this, but Tim just took a van trip to the Pacific Northwest for a week and is now basically a professional van lifer. So he's about to probably start a blog about it. Where'd you go? Uh, we we flew into Portland and then uh, picked up a van and drove it up the coast to and ended up in Seattle and then came back to Colorado from there. So it was short. It was nothing like what you're got, you guys are doing. But uh, I I don't know if I'm moving out of my house tomorrow. But it was it was a good time. I will say that for sure. Yeah, and I gotta like dip your toe in. If you're interested in van life at all, you have to do like a short van life trip with like a rental or something before you like jump in and commit because it's a lot rougher than a lot pe a lot of people think it is. 
Yeah, and it's it's funny. Like I spent I spent a long time playing in a punk band, and we drove around in a van all the time. But it was not converted. It was just us sitting on our seats, smelling like shit, and being hot and hungover. So actually, having a converted van was like a world of difference from oh, from definitely. what my prior experience was. <laughs> so that was that was cool. I want to get your thoughts on speaking of the rougher side of it on uh, Nomadland. Have you seen that movie? I did, yeah. Did you like it? Because we and Tim talked about this the other week, and I think we both came to the consensus that we did not enjoy the movie. So I liked it, and I think I liked it because of some of the people we've met on the road. Like, it's not a very, like, it's not the normal van life experience. That movie is portraying, like, a very small subsection of the community that does exist, but is not the norm. Because those are older people who get get actual jobs like seasonally in different places. Whereas you're a blogger and you're kind of, you you know, you work remotely and still different. That's, I think, probably the majority of what van lifers do now. Remote work, digital nomads, then they, yeah, younger. Yeah, there is a lot more uh, digital nomads, but... Um, when we were in Moab, Utah recently, we met a ton of people who do seasonal work, especially in like Jackson Hole, Wyoming, or like Utah, and they just kind of like toggle around like wherever. They do a lot of um, guiding and like kayak instructing and that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. There's there's a lot of those around Moab, that's for sure. Yeah. And so it is a part of the community. I think Nomadland looked at definitely the older generations kind of like the people left out of like retirement and then they've ended up doing that as their retirement plan because it is a lot cheaper than having a house not as cheap as people think it is but still cheaper <laughs> what are some of the most beautiful places you guys have woken up that is such a good question um some illegal places that we've woken up at. That's a better question. There we go. <laughs> yeah. So you can't camp in national, like you can't sleep in your car in national parks is like the rule. Um, we've gotten around that a lot of times depending on the national park. So we've woken up at like Tunnel View in Yosemite with like our doors at Tunnel View, which if you've ever been to Yosemite is just like an iconic huge like monolith mountain you're looking at like el capitan and the waterfalls and you're not supposed to sleep there but we did also crater lake and the highest viewpoint in the smoky mountains we've gotten away with stealth camping in those places Is stealth camping just camping where you're not supposed to camping where you're not supposed to so we don't pay for campsites there are some van lifers that pay to stay in like RV parks or like places with hookups or campgrounds. Yeah, a bunch of amateurs. <laughs> we just like don't. We never have. I'm not going to like up our daily expenses like that. So we find sneaky places to camp. And sometimes that's like on a beach in Florida. Florida was phenomenal for van life. I highly recommend it. It's warm. There's outdoor showers everywhere, which made showering super easy. Um, you can sleep on the beach. Like people just pull their car straight onto the beach and it's totally legal to camp there. Since you mentioned Florida, I have to drop today's Florida man headline from June 3rd. 
Man arrested for throwing cheeseburger at pregnant woman. Jesus. <laughs> Florida man got it again. This guy never takes his day off. Just going to leave that there. Got Every time you mention Florida, got to drop that, that there. That sounds right. I mean, I had never been to Florida until we took the van there, and I loved it. I had such low expectations because all you hear is Florida man stories, and in the Pacific Northwest, everyone just talks shit about Florida. And I got down there and I was like, okay, there's actually some cool shit to do down here. On on that note, how do you guys go about routing your, you know, you're planning your routes and how far in advance are you guys figuring out where you're going to go, where you're going to sleep, that kind of stuff? Um, we have our like GPS set to avoid highways and we're pretty flexible. If we see like a scenic route, we definitely take it. But my biggest tip for route planning is to actually like flexibility is important, but you should plan everything as if it was like a trip that you're taking. Like, don't just wing it the whole way. Feel free to like make a plan and then scrap it. But if you don't pick all of those sites that you want to see and have them set ahead of time, you're going to drive past so many things that you didn't even know were there. And just like, months later look back and be like oh all that shit was in colorado and i had no idea because i didn't do any research and now we're gonna have to go back at some point do you only eat at kind of like local spots or will you hit up fast food so we have a strict no fast food rule oh man <laughs> just what i thought i liked you you're letting evan down i'm a budget traveler at heart so we're trying to keep our costs very low and fast food is just like if i'm gonna splurge and go eat because we cook most of our meals like at our kitchen but we eat out at restaurants that are like local like either so for now we're in santa fe new mexico and every night we've been eating out at a place where we can get like killer margaritas and new mexican food just like a different place every night trying to get a good sampling but we're not gonna like I'm not going to do the fast food thing. I know what it tastes like. It's delicious. I'm not against it, but I'm just not going to pay to have something I already know what it tastes like. Did you know that McDonald's has different McFlurry flavors depending on where you go in the country? I didn't. Are you going to get just locked into McDonald's McFlurries now? I'm just saying. Hey, we're not. We're, hey, this isn't. A, this is not a, a branded sponsorship thing. I'm just saying. Like you guys should. Let's check I it out. I have such a sweet tooth. I, I, I get it though. Cook your own meals is, makes a lot more sense. And if I was doing that, I'd, I'd do the same. And if I was going to eat out, I definitely wouldn't be <laughs> eating out. The splurge, my splurging wouldn't be at McDonald's. So No, but we broke our fast food rule at Culver's, which is like a Wisconsin Midwest chain. Delicious. Um, I had to have like their frozen custard and it was so good. Um and then also White Castle. We don't get that over here. So yes, okay, love to hear that. Okay. So there is like, those were worth splurging for because they're like, have a cult following that I had to try. Yes. Okay. And and they're not ruining their cult following like In-N-Out is. Like In-N-Out is in Colorado now, which is stupid. Because like I used to I used to look forward to going there when I went to California because I couldn't get it anywhere else. And now there's freaking like three or four of them in Colorado. So it's pointless. And people drive like an hour and a half just to go to In-N-Out here. It's like a, and they sit in line there for three hours. It's unbelievable. Pre, okay, but here's the thing. Pre-long-term travel, I lived in LA and the In-N-Out's there 
still always have a line. They've been there for I don't even know how long. And it's like a, it's always been there. It always will be there. And there is still lines around the block for it. This is what I don't understand. I don't know if you guys know Raising Cane's, the chicken place. I've heard of it. I've never been there. Tim? No, yeah. Well, there's one up here. And it's every single time I drive by it, doesn't matter what time of day, there's a line out the parking lot and into the street. And it backs up the traffic like on a fairly busy street. And I'm just thinking like, number one, that's just not safe. And two, it's just a, it's a fairly mediocre, maybe slightly above um, KFC chicken place, chicken fast food. Oh. So I just don't understand it. Agreed. In and out at least is cheap. All right. Well, now that we've diverged uh, to, to fast food it up for a while, let's, uh, let's think in the future a little bit. And what happens, you know, if and when you and your fiance decide to switch up the lifestyle? Is that, what do you see that being? Is it going to be settling down somewhere? Is it going to be expatriating? What's, what's next? We are hoping to go back abroad. We'd like to do van life until the borders start opening up again. And then we're going to head abroad. Traveling abroad would be just not not van, though. You wouldn't get like a cheap van over there. You just do it like the average uh, traveler on foot. We actually have the hookup with a girl we met in Hawaii. And she has a van in New Zealand that she just has in storage. And she was like, we could do like a van swap and just you could take mine around New Zealand and I'll take yours around the US. So that's a good idea for a website, vanswap.com. It's genius. That I I'm in all these like van Facebook groups and stuff. And you see people trying to do that every now and then. And I've thought about that. I'm like, that's an app right there. Perfect. What was the other idea, Tim? (laughs) Did we come up with an idea earlier today earlier this conversation? That was good. Well, uh, you know, the long running business plan of this podcast has been to open like a shitty American style restaurant in Italy. It serves American food you can't get in Europe. Yeah, that's <laughs> always been. <laughs> the other business plan is to uh, get get our guests to share times they've camped illegally in national parks and sell them out to the National Park Service. <laughs> well, it's funny because now I realize that we were camping illegally in Olympic last week because we are sleeping in our van the whole time. And I didn't even know it was illegal. Well, so it's a th- when we first started van life, we had no idea either. Day one, we drove out to Glacier National Park in Montana parked at like the most scenic epic viewpoint and just like started setting up shop and like putting our window covers up cooking dinner and as soon as it got dark national park service like ranger came over and like knocked on the window and was like hey you can't like sleep here <laughs> if you were trying to do that and we were like oh really no he was like yeah in any national park you have to be in the campground. Okay, I get it. We like we were in a campground, but we were sleeping in the van. So I guess we were legit because I was like, I swear there was other people like right next to us in a van also. But yeah, no. So did you tell the guy you were gonna move, and then you just? Oh no, he waited for us to move. <laughs> he waited. So then you you went to the campground, like you went to the actual campsite. So we drove down our like go to move in national parks if we get the knock. I'm spilling the beans here on this one. (laughs) We go to, there's like resorts. There's always like one nice hotel in the national park. And we just like sneak into their parking lot and no one ever notices. You ever like break into a hotel hot tub? I haven't. That's my favorite move ever. It's fun. That was, that was a big college thing. 
for me at least. I mean, you're staying in their hotel parking lot anyway. You might as well just like go in, like act like you own the place and just slip in and use the hot tub. People say, I, I don't, I don't quite understand what hot girl summer means, but I do understand what hot tub summer means. And I, that, that, I, this, this summer is certainly that. I'm down for that. Hot spring summer. I've been finding all the natural hot springs everywhere we go. Oh, okay. The nice. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, we're going to move into our listener questions section. And this one is probably something you might be able to to ramble on for a minute. So we, we source questions from our listeners and try to tailor them to the guests. This one is straight up van life. Are sprinter vans the Teslas of van life? And is there a hierarchy in vans? Oh, yes, there is. I wish I could say that we were just like one big community, that we were all nice to one another. There's definitely like a divide in the middle. And what I'm going to say is very like generalizations. I don't hate people in Sprinter Vans. I think they're cool. And we've met some really great people who use Sprinter Vans. <laughs> That's such a diplomatic answer. You know, you know the butt is coming though. Too. Now I'm about to get not diplomatic. <laughs> so the divide is people in older or like just cheap vans like i've got a 94 our van costs four thousand dollars sprinters cost like 20 grand so there's like the budget travelers and the luxury travelers like backpackers and people who go to resorts they're living a lot more comfortable life and a lot of them didn't build the van themselves a lot of them paid for someone else to convert it there are many who did build it themselves, and I give them props, but a lot of people pay $50,000 to have like some dream luxury conversion. They see our van and they get sketched out and park on the other side of the parking lot because they're like, oh, those people are homeless. <laughs> Is that the first uh, conversation you have with other people you meet on the road in vans? Like, like, oh, so like, did you make your, did you build the van yourself or is, is that small talk for, what is small talk for van people? Me and Tim are in a van next to you guys and, and uh, you know, we step outside, we introduce ourselves. What do you say? Yeah, like the layout. Normally we check out the van layout and we're like talking about DIY builds and then like it moves on to like what you're doing in the area and stuff. But there definitely is this like judgment when people hear you say that you like have a van I love the judgment here. I love the like, like, oh, so did you, uh, you build your van yourself? Like, no, nah, we got someone to, we bought it or we got someone to build it for us. Like, <laughs> check out this loser. He didn't even build his own van himself. <laughs> such a, like a clicks in the van uh, campground. You're like tier B van life if you didn't convert it yourself, right? You're like not, like you might travel and do all the things, but you never quite cut the mustard, you know? Like you're not that cool. Exactly. You're the people that I'm going to hate on other travelers now, but you're the people that go to a country and just stay at your all inclusive mm -hmm. resort, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. You can't <laughs> sit with us. Yeah. It's funny because there, there's people, I think, view van, van life or traveling around your van as one type of travel. But within that one type of travel, there are as many ways to do it as there are to experience a, a country as a normal traveler. There's just Definitely. different different vans, different sizes, different periods of life you're at different ways you're working it's yeah it's yeah. interesting a lot of people are staying in one place for a long time a lot of people are like working like full-time jobs we 
like move a lot and that makes van life more expensive but we're doing this so that we can see america it's like the cheapest way to see the u.s and like get out to the national parks and we love the hike so it's just like traveling it's not like tiny home living <laughs> well thank you so much for coming on i'm gonna i'm gonna leave you with this thought i think that the reason why the people in the really nice sprinter vans that they didn't convert themselves are parking on the other side of the lot from you guys is because they're scared <laughs> and they're insecure about their decision. They're scared because they think they think she's homeless. No, they're scared because they know that you're going to judge them. <laughs> I try. I'm trying to be a non-judgmental person, and we have some. We've met some great people on the road in sprinters. They did build them themselves, but you know, because <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't associate with people who don't build it themselves. But, you know. All right, Gina. Well, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Uh, where where can people find you? Uh, so I'm on Instagram at beyond underscore the underscore bucket list. Sweet. And then I have a blog too. If you want to check it out, beyond the bucket list.co. Right on. Cool. Thanks for having me, you guys. It's been fun. All right. Well, here we are in the takeaways closer section of the show after a great talk with Gina. Thanks again to Gina Truman for joining us today. Evan, I think the first thing that jumped out at me about this conversation uh, in regards to camping, whether you're in a van, a bus, a tent, whatever it might be, the back of your two-seater car, uh, sometimes it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission when it comes to places to sleep, but you should always have a backup plan. I absolutely love the idea of driving to a resort hotel and just sleeping in the parking lot. It's, it's the, the juxtaposition of a really classy thing next to a really kind of grungy borderline illegal thing is just, it's gold. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've, I've actually spent a fair amount of nights in hotel parking lots uh, over the years and it's, I've never had a problem with it. It's always worked out and I don't want to like, you know, I don't want to blow the secret, you know, but it's never been a problem. I've never had anybody say anything to me about it. I've even done the thing where you, you sleep in the hotel parking lot and then in the morning you waltz your ass into the hotel and go to the continental breakfast. And that's why I asked about the hot tubs, because I mean, I think that's just such a no brainer move. It's just, it's, it's just so obvious to me. Like, I think once we were going to Foxwoods in Connecticut, the casinos, but the hotels at Foxwoods are really expensive. So we ended up staying at like a, I don't know, a holiday inn down the street next morning we're checking out, but there was no hot tub or pool at the hotel we stayed at. So we're like, you know what? Let's just like use the hot tub at the really nice Foxwoods hotel. So we drive in, we park in the parking lot, stroll right in like you own the place key here is acting like you belong. So, you know, no looking around. You just, you, you know where the pool is. You just, you gotta just beeline it. You got your swimsuit, you just go, you change, you use the hot tub. And I'll tell you, there is no feeling more gratifying than using a hot tub in a nice hotel or any hot tub for that matter that you're not supposed to be using. And now that summer's coming up, this is our biggest takeaway. Probably the only takeaway that's ever been important for any of our episodes. When in doubt, use the hot tub. You will never ever regret using the hot tub, but you will always regret not using the hot tub. Nobody has ever regretted being in the hot tub. And and the one thing you've got to consider there is just keep your keep your space straight, act like you belong, like you said, and uh, you're gonna be fine. Next takeaway, Tim. What do we what do we think? It's um have 
an idea of what it actually takes to live on the road before you decide to do so, because it's not just hopping in your van and getting out there. You got to make sure the van is furnished the way you need it to be furnished. You got to cook meals. You got to take showers. You got to go to the bathroom. You have to have a lot of ducks in a row before you set out onto the road. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think one thing that Gina and her partner do well or seem to after our chat today is that they, they are kind of like running this middle of the road, van life you know like they're they're certainly not the fifty thousand dollar sprinter van conversion uh people that are paying a, an additional fifty dollars a night to camp uh but they're also not these like scraping by dirty hippies uh that that aren't gonna make it anywhere with their van they they have like a good vehicle that they paid for and they spent a bunch of time and money putting it together and they also seem to kind of work their way around the country bringing in income along the way. So they're not just, you know, they're not busking yeah. as uh, the people they met were. We didn't talk about this because it's not a subject that I find super interesting, um, but you got to consider health insurance, um, taxes. Where do you pay taxes when you're on the road? What state are you technically a resident of? I don't know. Do you even have health insurance when you're out there? Because you, you got to be in a specific, in the state in which you're covered to be insured. So I don't understand how any of this stuff works for these people. I think that there's probably a workaround, but it's the it's, it's it's kind of a bureaucratic process, and I don't find it super interesting, so that's why I didn't ask about it. But there's so many considerations to take when you're doing this kind of lifestyle. Yeah. All right, well, we'll close it there. Thanks again to Gina for coming on. Uh, if you got any comments, you just email noblackoutdatespod at gmail.com. We also appreciate you heading to Apple, shooting us a review, leave us a comment or a question there. We want to know, how often do you break your food restrictions when you're on the road? And hey, if you've ever pissed in the woods or in a chamber pot, leave us five stars. And if you haven't, then, you know, leave us five stars anyway. We'll see you next week.